attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Experts say that China is hoarding a massive amount of food. They will soon have over half the world's wheat. What does this mean for you and me? Two words, food shortages. That's why you should stock up on the best-selling Four Patriots Survival Food. Create your own stockpile by using the code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. Four Patriots Survival Food is hand-packed in the USA with different delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and their five-star reviews on the website rave about the flavor and taste. Just go to fourpatriots.com and use the code G-R-E-G-G to get 10% off your first purchase of Four Patriots Survival Food. That's fourpatriots.com. Use the code GREG, G-R-E-G-G. In the Fellowship of the Ring, Frodo Baggins uses the alias Underhill to avoid the pursuing Black Riders when visiting the Inn of the Prancing Pony. The ruse works, but only for a while. And so it is with Joe Biden. As vice president, he liberally employed aliases to disguise communications he didn't want others to discover. But like Frodo, Joe has been found out. Under the persistence of a lawsuit, the National Archives and Records Administration, otherwise known as NARA, was finally forced to admit that Joe Biden used the pseudonyms of Robin Ware, Robert L. Peters, J.R.B. Ware in some 5,400 emails that he used to forward government information, sensitive information, to discuss business with his son, Hunter Biden, and others. The sheer number of alias accounts is staggering, but the contents could prove highly incriminating in the burgeoning influence peddling scandal that threatens to derail Biden's presidency with a looming impeachment inquiry. That is likely why NARA has now spent more than two years doing everything it can to conceal Joe's secret records. The House Oversight Committee, which has uncovered damning evidence of Biden family bribery schemes involving Hunter's overseas partners who funneled tens of millions of dollars to accounts he controlled, is now demanding that the agency cough up the unredacted documents. And so is the Southeastern Legal Foundation that launched the original lawsuit and has been relentless in pursuing the matter in court on behalf of the news organization Just the News. Here's a quote. All too often, public officials abuse their power by using it for their personal or political benefit. When they do, many seek to hide it, and the only way to preserve governmental integrity is for NARA to release Joe Biden's nearly 5,400 emails to SLF, the foundation, and thus the public. The American public deserves to know what's in them, said the foundation's general counsel in a statement. If, as suspected, Joe Biden covertly forwarded privileged government information to his son, who then shared it with American adversaries for financial profit, 
the calls for Biden's impeachment would grow even stronger. Already a formal impeachment inquiry by the House of Representatives, or in the alternative, a select committee, seems inevitable. There's more than enough evidence to justify it. The infamous Burisma scam falls squarely under the federal bribery statute 18 U.S.C. 201, which prohibits a public officeholder from exploiting his position to confer a benefit in exchange for money. Such enrichment schemes are also a felonious violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act whenever it involves foreign nationals as here. Newly revealed documents corroborate Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin's recent on-camera statements that Joe and Hunter Biden were knee-deep in bribery and engineered his firing to end the prosecutor's escalating investigation of Burisma, which was paying Hunter Biden a stunning million dollars a year. In the latter part of 2015, Shogun was in the process of seizing the CEO's assets and poised to shut down the company for rampant corruption. So Burisma pressured Hunter to pressure his dad to get rid of Shogun. Documents and Hunter partner Devin Archer confirm it, and they also incriminate Joe Biden as directly complicit in his son's suspected graft. After receiving an email urging Hunter to use his influence to get rid of the Burisma probe, the then-Vice President's son flew to Dubai, where he met personally with CEO Mikola Zlashevsky, who demanded, get your dad on the telephone which he did. Guess what? A couple of days later, Joe Biden flies to Kiev and demands the firing of Shokin or else the U.S. would withhold $1 billion in American taxpayer aid, even though the Obama administration had already approved the aid package. So in other words, Joe Biden defied U.S. policy and the president he was serving. His extortion gambit worked when Shokin was canned. The probe suddenly vanished overnight, and the cash continued to flow to Hunter. Naturally, the senior Biden was so pleased with his machinations, he later bragged about it on camera. Joe's arrogance and stupidity exposed his own pivotal role in the pay-to-play grift that almost surely constitutes bribery under the criminal codes. It was a classic quid pro quo and the definition of corrupt acts. Despite what the clueless media claims, it does not matter whether Joe ever received a penny of the payola. Under the law, if the money goes to another person or entity other than the office holder, it is still bribery. Moreover, You'll recall that treason, bribery, or high crimes and misdemeanors are all impeachable offenses under the U.S. Constitution. Then factor in the selling of Biden access and influence to China, Russia, Kazakhstan, and Romania in exchange for tens of millions of dollars channeled to Biden shell companies, and you have got the biggest bribery scandal in U.S. history. So impeachment? Absolutely.
Joining me now to discuss it is the investigative journalist behind the lawsuit that revealed Joe Biden's roughly 5,400 alias or pseudonym emails, John Solomon. He's chief executive officer and editor-in-chief of Just the News and has been absolutely instrumental in uncovering so much of the Biden corruption story. And John, as always, thanks for joining the brief. Do you have any idea the contents of these alias accounts by Joe Biden? We have some inkling. Uh, We were able to obtain maybe about two to three dozen of the emails from these three uh, pseudonym accounts. One is uh, two are on Gmail and one is on a PCI.gov domain that we can't find any record existed. So we don't know if it's a redirect or not. We're still doing some working. But the three dozen emails that we did get had a smattering of different things. Some are communications directly with Hunter Biden. Some are uh, communications with political people around Joe Biden talking about maybe you should run against uh, uh, Hillary Clinton or did you see this polling you're doing very well. Some of it was idle chatter. I think the two most significant emails, and we've published these before, uh, it's what led us to file the FOIA and led us now to uh, have the Southeastern Legal Foundation do this litigation, uh, was that um, there are at least two very concrete episodes where Joe Biden has information moved from official government sources, uh, and I would call this sensitive foreign information, not classified, but sensitive foreign information to his private account, and then it goes to his son. And let me give you the two episodes that we've uh, that we flagged out of the, the three dozen emails. There's a moment where uh, an American citizen who had been held hostage or imprisoned in Turkey for quite some time is about to be released. Joe Biden gets an early heads up. It's non-public. It's not actually the transaction hasn't occurred yet. So it's sensitive. It's word leaking out could potentially jeopardize the release of this American. The U.S. Embassy in, uh, Tur- in Istanbul alerts the vice president's office because he's got the foreign policy portfolio for that country. And Joe Biden moves that email to a private account, and then he sends it to his son, Hunter, giving his son, Hunter, a leg up on the announcement of this player. We don't know what interest Hunter Biden had in Turkey or this particular American, uh, but it is very clear that information derived from a sensitive foreign embassy cable is forwarded to his son, Hunter. Um, uh, And then the second one, which is very relevant to all the stuff you and I have been talking about with Ukraine and the firing of Viktor Shokin uh, and the withholding of the billion-dollar loan, is about two to three months after uh, uh, Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko in 2016 fired Viktor Shokin under enormous duress from Joe Biden. He was threatening to withhold a lifeline of $1 billion in loan guarantees, U.S.-backed loan guarantees, about three months after Poroshenko finally relented. It's very important to know that when Poroshenko called Joe Biden to let him know he's doing it, he kept saying, there was no reason to do this, but I did it because you asked me. About two, three months after that, the President uh, Biden had a follow-up conversation with the president, uh, President Poroshenko, Vice President Biden did. And at that moment, uh, when it's being scheduled, his office sends the notification to Joe Biden's private email and he CCs in, uh, the, the staffer CCs in Hunter Biden, who had an enormous interest in Poroshenko, Chokin, and Ukraine because of his Burisma connections. Very odd. I can tell you of all the presidencies I've covered, going back to Reagan, I've never seen uh, a family member CC'd in on a 
foreign leaders' communication or on an embassy secret notification that a U.S. citizen was about to be released as a hostage. Um, those are, uh, are guide marks, I think, for Congress to find out how many times did Hunter Biden or Joe Biden exchange information that came from government business? Why was it moved to an email? Whose emails are these in terms of whose domain is PCI.gov? Uh, and uh, are these connected in any way to the millions of dollars in pursuit that Joe and Hunter Biden's, uh, uh, Joe Biden's family, Hunter Biden, and his brother, particularly James Biden, were, were making all throughout the vice president's uh, tenure by selling the Biden name or selling the Biden brand, as Devin Archer told us. So we do have an inkling. It's about, you know, one tenth of one percent of all the emails we now have been told exist. Uh, but they give us reason to want to get the other 5,400. And that's why. We're pursuing the litigation. I mean, 5,400 emails is really just a stunning number of pseudonym or alias emails by Joe Biden as vice president uh, under Barack Obama. Here's the statement by the Southeastern Legal Foundation that filed the lawsuit originally more than two years ago on your behalf at Just the News. All too often, public officials abuse their power by using it for their personal or political benefit. When they do, many seek to hide it. So is that really what's going on here? They're trying to hide things. You only try to hide things if you got something to hide, something that is suspect or incriminating. Well, listen, if Peter Schweitzer's right, Joe Biden had a drop phone, the sort of phone that drug dealers use. Uh, we know that he had three alias pseudonyms. Why was he using a fake pseudonym, pseudonym like um, uh, Senator Romney did with his Twitter account uh, and like Hillary Clinton did? I mean, this is very similar to Hillary Clinton. I mean, her, her total emails were over 30,000, so she was a little more prolific, uh, but very similar behavior. Um, uh, why do you have to have so many LLCs that are moving money around in your family that come from foreign sources? Why did you make so many statements that are now demonstrably false? A lot of these behaviors match what we would accuse criminals and bad actors of doing. And Joe Biden now has been involved in all of these. Do we know the end result of why? Uh, did he benefit personally? Was it just his family? We don't know that yet, but that's why Republicans are more assertively talking about impeachment, why so many more subpoenas and documents are going out, uh, why the FBI had a 1023 informant report suggesting that Joe Biden was part of a bribery scheme. There was something about the way Joe Biden and his family were dealing with these issues during the Obama presidency that made so many people nervous, including banks that filed suspicious activity reports. Next week, we're going to be able to uh, provide some new information. It takes a long time to get this information. Uh, you mentioned it's been two two plus years for the fight for the pseudonym emails. It took me four years to get those Ukraine emails that we talked about, the State Department emails that completely changed the narrative of the 2019 impeachment. Well, these documents go all the way back to November of 2016, an earlier whistleblower, not an FBI agent, not an IRS agent like the whistleblowers that have come forward recently, but someone in the banking community that went to the Securities and Exchange Commission saying, I see some really suspicious activity around Hunter Biden and Joe Biden related to bank accounts, and I feel like you need to investigate this. November of 2016, that's how long the government has been getting alerts about suspicious transactions, suspicious behavior, uh, suspicious dealings with foreign figures who are flagged foreign figures. Um, when we see that, and that, that's taken, that's been able to stay a secret for seven years. 
Why is it? Well, the National Archives had no problem giving my information out in a few days' notice when uh, they released my email seeking information on the um, uh, declassified Russia documents, but they've dragged two years on the, the pseudonym emails. And these emails related to the IRS or the Securities and Exchange Commission, they've held for seven years from the Biden and Obama presidency. These agencies treat the information like it's theirs and not the American people. This is when our founding fathers created this. It was we, the people who own the information. Today, the bureaucrats treat like they own it. Yeah, and this is the same National Archives that took the position in 2012, along with the DOJ, that Bill Clinton can keep whatever presidential papers, including allegedly classified information. That's right. And and NARA, as well as the DOJ, cannot force him to cough it up. And in fact, a federal district court judge uh, endorsed that same position. Now, all of a sudden, with uh, Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago, they're taking the opposite position. And, and there's another battle that's been playing out. As you probably know, uh, America First Legal has sued on my behalf to force the, our National Archives to give up the declassified Russia documents. And the uh, both the Biden Justice Department and the National Archives won't give those up. So they have disparate treatment depending on the issue. And uh, I think for the nation's history agency to be so politically discriminate that they'll, they won't give up stuff that Donald Trump ordered release. They won't give up things that Joe Biden sent that were clearly government emails on private email. Uh, but they're glad to give out my personal communications when asked by reporters. Um, I think there's a big uh, system of uh, unequal operation going on there. Good reason to be suspicious of NARA right now. Let's talk about the big picture, John. Uh, my guest is John Solomon, editor-in-chief of Just the News. Uh, so, John, as we sort of step back and look at all of this, um, documents, Devin Archer's testimony, it's abundantly mm-hmm. clear that the Bidens were selling access to Joe and yep. perhaps promises of influence to Ukraine, to China, to Russia, to Kazakhstan, to Romania. Uh, but the Burisma uh, scam you know, seems to be the mother of all grafts and grifts. Yes. Uh, and it falls squarely under the federal bribery statute, 18 U.S.C. 201, sure. that prohibits a public office holder from using his position to confer a benefit in exchange for money. Yeah. Tens of millions of dollars from the various countries I just named. Yeah. And these enrichment schemes are also criminal under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act whenever it involves foreign nationals. Yeah. You know, the Oversight Committee, the Judiciary Committee in the House have dug up more information in, in the last six or seven months uh, than David Weiss, uh, who's now special counsel. The U.S. attorney in Delaware did uh, over the course of more than five years. Yeah. It appears as though he wasn't even remotely interested in following the paper trail. Uh, you know, all of these uh, wire transfers, 150 suspicious activity reports, evidencing the millions of dollars flowing into yeah. a complex web of shell companies controlled by Hunter Biden. Yeah. But Congress appears to be moving in the direction of an impeachment inquiry. What do you think? Yeah, listen, I, my reporting suggests that they don't have enough votes in the Republican conference of the House to get that inquiry yet. I think they're testing the water, prodding their weight, letting members get feedback from their home districts during the summer break. 
I think there could be an interim step. It may not be the preferred step for a lot of people who believe that there's enough evidence to do an impeachment inquiry. By the way, if you do an inquiry, you're not impeaching the president yet. You're just simply using the powers of the impeachment process to investigate further things that are concerning. Uh, but there is not a majority of votes in the, or there's not a enough votes in the Republican conference to authorize such an inquiry on the House floor. So there is a, um, a limitation to what Kevin McCarthy may be able to do. I think there could be an interim step. Uh, one of the things that happened during the January 6th investigation was they created a select committee, the Democrats did, in the House, and they you know, were able to enforce um, the the, the uh, compelled uh, discovery of evidence uh, much the way that you would during impeachment. They created an extraordinary body of law that pierced Donald Trump's uh, attorney-client privilege, his tax privileges, and the House Ways and Means Committee. I think it is possible that Kevin McCarthy could settle for a middle step, which is I, I don't have enough votes for impeachment inquiry. I might get there someday with more evidence comes out, but I'm going to name a select committee, and that select committee should have the same success in the federal courts that the January 6th committee did when it created that body of law, and we could roll up the same a compelled evidence quickly and still make a decision by December, January, whether we should have an impeachment. I think that's one step that's on the table. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I've talked to a lot of people uh, about that. And that's certainly an idea that has been uh, considered in among the many, but we are getting to a more serious um, uh, moment in this investigation. Uh, you take a look at the uh, column that Philip Bump, the Washington Post columnist wrote uh, basically saying, hey, uh, Republicans already have impeached, have already uh, uh, caused the impact of impeachment that they wanted. They've gotten Americans to really realize that there's something to suspect about Joe and Hunter Biden. That's a big change from three years ago when we were told, people like you and I, that we were conspiracy theories, theorists to think that anything Hunter and uh, Joe did was untoward. We now know a lot of it was untoward. Um, but I do think there's an interim step, perhaps, that if they don't have the votes to get a full impeachment inquiry going that they could get this alternate inquiry. There's several moderate members that have come out saying, I'm not there yet. And I think that that is a limitation to what uh, what um, Kevin McCarthy could do. I think he could get a select committee, and that's one of the options being discussed. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit more about what you're working on. I know you don't want to obviously give it yeah. away quite yet, but but what are some of the other things you're working on in this venue? When you look at what was going on, and what's really remarkable is to now know what the government knew in 2019 when government officials, including impeachment witnesses, were trying to say, there's no there there, this is a conspiracy theory, no true to it. What what are we learning? And well, we now know that the State Department had made the opposite recommendation to Joe Biden. They told him to give the billion dollars and that Shokin was doing a good job. And in fact, Shokin got a personal letter from the top State Department Ukrainian official, uh, Victoria Nuland, now Joe Biden's undersecretary of state, saying you're doing a good job. You don't send you're doing a good job to a guy that you allegedly are trying to fire uh, because he's crooked. And you look at the recommendations of the task force. So the government knew in 2019 that storyline was false. They knew in 2020 when they when government officials and their emissaries called the laptop Russian disinformation that that was false. We now know that banks began flagging uh, uh, payments to Hunter Biden and his entities as early as 2015. And we know that the FBI began investigating and had reason to investigate Hunter Biden beginning in late 2018 uh, when some information about a uh, 
overseas porn site uh, led to some transactions that flagged were flagged in Hunter Biden's account. And that quickly pivoted to things like uh, foreign lobbying, for Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and other issues. The body of evidence of what the government knew was blinking red of concern about Hunter Biden, suspicious activity reports, IRS reports, uh, requests for search warrants, tells us that the government has been suppressing the true story about Joe Biden. I think we're going to learn that that suppression, I hope to document, I know we're going to be able to document this next week. We're going to make the documents available. That, uh, that suppression effort began in November of 16 after several months of foreign, uh, foreign suspicious activity reports were filed. All of a sudden, uh, there is a whistleblower that goes to one of the main enforcement agencies for companies, the Securities Exchange Commission, and says, you need to look at this. There's something bigger going on than any one uh, transaction or one banker report. That's a huge moment that we've been blind to for the last seven years. But knowing that the government knew why Barack Obama was still president, that there were concerns about Joe and Hunter Biden and what they were doing overseas, I think is extraordinary. The other place is there are now Ukrainian officials, people associated with Burisma, with the prosecutor's office and others who have made contact with both federal law enforcement and with congressional committees offering potential evidence and, and testimony. Again, whenever you talk to people in Ukraine, you always take it with a grain of salt, given the country's history of exaggeration and, and uh, corruption. But I think that's another element that will fill in the blanks. If Ukrainian witnesses do have tapes of Joe and Hunter Biden, if there are bank records, including a $10 million payment, which uh, was made, those will be things that could significantly alter the course of impeachment and embolden maybe even Democrats to one day consider impeachment. But we're a long way from that. The activities going on, I think the next thing I will drop, hopefully next week, is a pretty compelling story about what this whistleblower provided uh, federal regulators in November 2016. And uh, one of the remarkable things is in the presentation, Joe Biden's photo was put in the presentation. There's a photo of Joe Biden. Clearly, the whistleblowers thought Joe and Hunter were a team, just like Devin Archer ultimately told us in the testimony recently. Amazing stuff. Uh, I always start my day by first going to just the news uh, because, awesome. uh, <laughs> you know, you're always breaking the news. And you are, I mean, John Solomon, you are dogged, you are indefatigable, uh, and you have contributed so much to unraveling a sordid story of Biden family corruption. Thank you. I've got to tell you this, Greg, just before we go, I was on a, um, a train the other day and the guy sitting across the aisle from me was reading a book called uh, Trial of the Century. And I smiled and thought, hey, he's reading my best friend's book. And sure enough, I mean, congrats on that book. Everybody still is talking about it. And it's such a great um, uh, contribution, a reminder of the challenges that our, our, our system faced then and, of course, today again. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, John Solomon, Editor-in-Chief, uh, Chief Executive Officer of Just the News. And you should start your day by clicking on to Just the News as well. You'll learn a lot. John Solomon, thanks very much. Thank you. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for joining us.